Another game, another Japanese phenom you're starting. On, you're on for a treat. 24 years old from Okayama. 5'10", about 170 pounds. My goodness. Canelli cannot hold up. That's three. Strikeout number one for Yamamoto. 2-2 two, two, throws Glenn Denning. Two strikeouts in the first inning for Yamamoto. Lost the bat. Seen that twice in this tournament from George. Little prayer swing there. As you have to do so often against Yamamoto because of this. He'll throw that splitter. Yamamoto strikes out Wingrove. He's got four through two innings. And he strikes out swinging. It's two in a row, five overall for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. There's the swing and miss. It was tough to catch up to that 96, even though it was, it was not even the most elevated fastball. That's just me. Strike three swinging, number seven for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Got him! Smile for his former teammate from Jordan to Yamamoto. He's got two Ks in every inning. Eight total. All right, we're back. Tom Runnels. That's the name. I, I had to, during the break, look it up. You know, it's weird as, as a young baseball fan back when I was growing up, it was newspapers and the sporting news and, you know, WFAN. You know, there was no internet. So everything that you remember and heard was probably from a media report, mainly reading newspapers or listening to the radio. And I don't know why I remember the whole Tom Runnels showing up in Army Fatigues and what that being a big deal. So Tom Runnels shows up in 1992, a season where the Expos brought in Felipe Lou midway through when it blew up because Runnels had taken over the year before when the Expos fired Buck Rogers. And the Expos, after having a good run in the 80s, were starting to decline in the early 90s and rebuild. And as I'm looking at this article here um, from May of 1992, so Runnels didn't, didn't make it to June uh, and when they hired Felipe Alou, there's just one quote here that I really had to find. So basically, you know, they, they mentioned the whole he showed up the first day in spring training for uh, with army fatigues and things like that. But uh, other than, you know, moving veterans like Tim Wallach to first base and, you know, not really communicating well, it sounds. Uh, they brought up how Moise Salou, who the Expo stole off of. I think Moise Salou was stolen off of waivers because the Pirates screwed up on the 40-man roster. I, I That's a whole other thing. I'll look that up. But they basically lost the Lou, if I remember correctly, because of a, you know, paperwork. Because he was with the Pirates, Moise Salou. So he's at in the Montreal. Uh, Moise is not yet an established player. And um, they asked, basically, Felipe, well, you're now managing your son. Is he going to play? And this is interesting because think about this is 1992. He says, my son Moises will not play that much. This is not a development team. When you get to the majors, you've got to be ready to play every day. That is amazing to me because I've said that and I and I wasn't planning on talking about that during this segment. But I said that and it's the same thing I say about guys like Beatty and Vientos and to a certain degree Alvarez and how a Buck Walter was criticized by sitting them. Major leagues, when you're whether you're on a first division club, second division club, favorite, contender, champion, whatever. If you're in the big leagues, you're there to win. Period in the story. It is not a developmental league. And I wish I could take that. And that's going to be like my quote. When you get to the majors, you've got to be ready to play every day. 
That's going to be my quote to the end of time. That's it. You got it. When you get to the majors, you got to be ready to play every day. Brett Beatty, Vientos, anybody else who comes up. The only one who showed that he could play every day is Alvarez. So Tom Runnels with the Army Fatigues. I don't think Carlos Mendoza or Craig Council or anybody in baseball that's hired these days. First of all, it should have happened in 1992. This is not the military. It's disrespectful to begin with. Like, There's nothing on the ball field that remotely is related to training for war other than the fact of self-discipline and a routine and some of the things that you do, the processes, which are at a much lower stakes than anything those guys do. So anyway, uh, non-sequitur. Who would have thought today you would have gotten Brutus the Barber Beefcake on your bingo card on the show? Tom Runnels, an obscure Expos manager that didn't even last three months in 92. And a quote from uh, Felipe Alou from 1992 on your bingo card on the Talking Mets podcast. That's why this is a fun show. I am just who I am. I'm not pretending to be the greatest show out there. I think it's fun. You guys make it fun because I get to get the interaction from you. But anyway, all right. So what is uh, the plan here for the offseason? I think the Mets have a good core of elite hitters. And they have some guys, you know, like a Starling Marte and um, and some of the kids like Alvarez and maybe Beatty and maybe Vientos that could round out the offense. And I think because the offense, you know, uh, potentially has more guys coming up with guys like Gilbert, uh, Luis Santajano Cuna, I don't think the Mets are going to go out and look to sign players to long-term deals on the offensive side, you know, maybe one to two year deals, stop gaps. Uh, I don't think they want to block these guys because I think uh, Gilbert and Acuna are not that far away and where they play might make a difference. You already got Mauricio. So I I think they could put together an offense because they already have the core elite hitters that can be competitive and compete uh, uh, to make the playoffs. I don't think that that's going to be a problem. I really don't. Now, do they have the bullpen or do they have the starting rotation? That's a different story. Now, I'll put the bullpen aside for today. We'll get into the bullpen because already you know they're going to have Drew, uh, Brooks Raley. He's, uh, his option was picked up, and we know Edwin Diaz is going to come back. So you already got a couple of pieces, and I believe Aravino will be back. You know, will remain to be seen on that. So the other question really is, okay, what about this starting rotation? Because you could build the best bullpen, and you could put out the best lineup. But if your starting rotation stinks... I'm sorry, you're going nowhere. Uh, you're just not. You're not going. You know, you're not going anywhere. Now, you'd love to have the luxury, and 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 they're not who those guys are. When you built the rotation with Degrom and Scherzer, and then Scherzer and Verlander, you have that awesome one and one A ace, Hall of Famers at the top that could anchor you. And and every five days, you're you're probably going to win. And in a postseason series, it makes it really tough to beat you. Well, you don't you don't have that anymore. And even if you had those guys here, uh, Degrom would have been hurt. Scherzer is probably, uh, I don't know if Scherzer can even get through another, it seems like every ache and pain is connected. I don't know if he could get through another season. If he can, he may be able to get through half a season. They're going to have to really manage him next year. I think next year is his last year. I don't see how he could get past much more than that. And let's face it, Justin Verlander is not really uh, Justin Verlander anymore. You know, he's good, not great. So that, that wouldn't have mattered anyway. Right now, you have Kodai Singa, who I wrote about this morning on this morning's newsletter, who's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for, myself included. I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. I would still love to have Chris Bassett. 
but I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. And you have the very solid Jose Quintana, who's a very solid number three. Not sexy, you know, but I think he'd give you six innings, two runs, maybe seven innings, three runs, keep you in the ball game. And he's a veteran, and he gets you, gives you innings and knows how to pitch, you know. And, and I think those are two good pieces. Now, I think best-case scenario, Singa may be able to sneak in as a number two. But more than likely now, you have a couple of number threes in the rotation. You don't have an ace. You don't have a number two. And the real way you think about how you build this team, forget about Yamamoto. Is Yamamoto the target? Because right now, all signs point to Otani, where I said it was the winter of Otani, and it still really is, that he's interested in teams that train in Arizona and are more on the West Coast. So you heard Texas, you heard San Francisco, you heard the Dodgers. Uh, No Phillies, no Mets, no Red Sox, no Yankees. And I think off the bat, and it'll be interesting how the negotiations go with his agent because that could limit his market. You know, if he, the first question is, will he play on the East Coast? Will he train in Florida? And if the answer is no, or well, he doesn't really want to, well, honestly, I'm not interested if I'm the Mets in getting into a bid and war for a guy where, you know, everything has to fall apart for every team that trains on the West Coast or has a address uh, west of the Mississippi. You know, if you're west of the Mississippi, call him. If you're east of the Mississippi, no, don't call him. So I'm going to put Otani aside, and the more I, I read about Otani, the more I hear about Otani, I just don't think he's he's there, and it's a big risk. And I look, if he was, if he said, "I want to come to New York, I want to be here," a hundred percent, I'd say, "Hey, the Mets need to go in on that." But right now, with so many ifs, 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 which are maybe educated speculation, we're going to put him aside as a non-factor right now. And if the Mets, right now, the only top end, and I say that I put in quotation marks. Uh, top end the rotation starter that they really could go out and get that they may have a realistic chance with, and, and it would meet the criteria because remember they want to continue to build that farm system so what they don't want to do here is they don't want to go out and um, lose players to uh, you know or, or lose draft picks because they signed someone who has a qualifying offer and when you look at guys like Sonny Gray and Otani, who's different, and Blake Snell and Aaron Nola. Uh, you know, Blake Sm- Snell fits the mold of a top rotation guy, but honestly, he was the worst pitcher when the Mets lost to the Padres in 22. He's a guy that doesn't always go deep into the games. Uh, he gives you a good five or six innings. He's going to get a lot of money. I, he's 30 years old. He reeks of bust because if you go back to you know, some of his uh, early uh, days with the Padres. He was a league average or slightly below league average. Walks a lot of guys. Strikes out a lot of guys. Walks a lot of guys. Um, And I think this year was his best year since he won the Cy Young in 2018. But I don't know if this is more of an outlier. You know, maybe it was a contract year. I'd 100% stay away from Blake Snell. And I'd also say that for Aaron Nola. Now, Aaron Nola is another guy who uh, was actually below league average this year. Uh, a guy that strikes out a lot of guys, you know, has good command, uh, has played in Philadelphia, has played in the, uh, you know, in the East Coast market. But I mean, uh, you know, he's a guy that to me uh, pitches, you know, have really a couple of stinkers and then maybe two or three really good outings. And I, I don't know. I mean, other than the year he finished third in the Cy Young, he's a really good, not great pitcher. Do I want to pay, pay big money? Do I want to pay, you know, B plus money for a B minus pitcher or A money for a B minus pitcher? I know it's Steve Cohen. I'm not interested. And then the bigger thing is, do I want to give up a draft pick? And I'm not the big draft pick guy. I want to win. But let's face it, 
you know, as baseball salaries explode, as the penalties become more punitive when it comes to uh, free agency and the draft because of the luxury tax, you have to be able to develop your own players. And part of that is getting draft picks. And if the and if it's not a, a, a no-brainer. Now, Otani, if he wants to come here, is more of a no-brainer. But if it's not Otani and it's guys like Snell and Nola, I don't know. So I think that the Japanese market is going to be big. I think for the Mets, maybe Yamamoto is where it begins and ends in terms of impact of the top of the rotation. But that doesn't mean they can't be competitive. Because you start to look at some of the options that are out there. And I'll tell you what. What I would like the Mets to do is go out there. And I think Yamamoto is someone that you put in a different category. Because even though he's advertised as an ace, I mean, he's short. His mechanics are quirky. He was, from what the reports are, he was pitching in a pitcher's league. So you're definitely not going to see the same results when he comes over to the States. He's probably going to have the same type of adjustment that... Uh, Senga had so maybe the first six to eight weeks are not going to be great so you're really not getting an ace off the bat you're getting a guy that can be an ace and again not to be a self-promoter you go back to the newsletter I mean are you getting Nomo are you getting Tanaka are you getting a Daisuke early on are you getting you Darvish you know what are you getting here I mean obviously the best case scenario is you're getting if top of the top the top of the top you know, some of the best seasons all seasons that are you Darvish or Daisuke for a couple of years gave you when they came over. Are you getting that? And how long are you getting that? He was younger. He's a younger guy. So uh, I think the Mets will be in on it. It sounds like many people expect the Mets to outbid everybody. You know, whether or not it's an issue having another Japanese player on the team. We heard Jim Allen, our friend Jim Allen, talk about that a couple of weeks back. If you haven't heard about his analysis on the Far East and about Yamamoto, go listen to the Far East podcast. We'll probably pull a clip about his feelings on Yamamoto. But he did not give a report, similar to his report on Senga a year ago, that indicated he's going to come in and it's going to be no Momania all again. Or it's even going to be Daisuke all again. You know, there's going to be some adjustment here. So, you know, if that's your ace... You're really not going after an ace then. You're going after the guy that could be an ace or could develop into an ace. So really, to me, the Mets need to look at the market and say to themselves, who is the pitcher that has a resume and is going to go out there and 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 really um, provide off the bat consistent top-of-the-rotation type results? And the crazy thing here is... You really have three guys. I think one guy I think I feel pretty good about. The other two, I'm not so sure. Now, one is not an option. Marcus Stroman, you guys are rolling your eyes, is not an option. After the way he left, um, and I think he's not necessarily always a top-of-the-rotation guy, but he's a solid number two and a half maybe, but he can go out there. He throws strikes. You know, he's pitched in New York. Uh, you know that he can give you some big innings. He seems to rel- stay relatively healthy in pitch. Uh, I don't think he's an option because, you know, I just think his mouth and his negativity towards the media is probably not a position you want to go back in. I don't even know if he wants to come back here. You know, it's a different team now. Billy Epler's not here. He accused Billy Epler of racism, if I remember correctly. So I-, I think a lot of the fans are not interested on the way things went. Uh, we know the Yankees aren't interested because Brian Cashman didn't like him back when he was uh, available when Brody Van Wagenen required him from Toronto. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers who opted out. And I'm not sure. I believe he's top of the rotation 100%. He 
He's had a, a couple of down years before, and he was hurt in 2022. He's had a couple of down years before he had a really solid year. A guy who throws strikes now. You know, the ball misses the bat, but he only started 26 games this year. Uh, I want a guy that's going to make 30 starts. I want a guy who's going to stay healthy. And, you know, right now, the guy that fits that, who's made 30 starts in 2021, who made 30 starts in 2022, and actually nearly made 30 starts in 2017 when he was a young pitcher and came up as a rookie for the Yankees and finished sixth of the rookie of the year, I think the Mets should really be out there trying to sign Jordan Montgomery. Now, I saw somewhere, I think it was Jim Bowden thought he'd get five years, $127 million. So what does that come out to? That's, uh, you know, about 25 or so million a year. That makes sense. You know, five years, 125. I can see that. And I know he was hurt. And it's amazing how Brian Cashman traded him for Harrison Bader, how he just basically gave him away. Uh, If you look at his peripherals, you know, he's a guy that doesn't walk a lot of guys. He throws strikes. He's not overpowering, but he can get guys to miss bats. You know, he went out there in the postseason. If you look at how he pitched in the postseason, uh, he didn't pitch great in the World Series, but he pitched really well in the ALCS in a couple of games plus a relief outing. Um, you know, he's a little up and down. He didn't pitch great against Baltimore. But, you know, to me, Jordan Montgomery, at the very least, profiles as a two and a half and a guy who's pitched in New York and a guy that's not Stroman. So he don't have that other stuff. And I think if, you know, putting Yamamoto aside, because I think that's a different type of pursuit, Montgomery would be the guy to go after. Because I think the Mets are going to have to sign two to three guys this offseason. Um, even though they have some depth. They're going to have to sign a couple of guys. They're going to have to sign at least two guys. So you say you sign Montgomery, and we don't know about Yamamoto, because that's I think that's the, the bonus. Because you can't count on that. That's your bonus. And then you need to sign, I think, a, a, a more affordable veteran that's a four or five that could give you consistent results in the four or five in the event that you don't have a Peterson or McGill come to spring training and show that they have it. Because you have some decent depth. Like you have Lucchese, you have Buto, you have McGill, you have Peterson. But even with Senga, you're going to need six starters because Senga's going to need that space. And let's, let's face it. If Yamamoto gets signed, he's going to need extra time off. So you're going to need more than five starters. And the player that I'm going to tell you, and the funny part is he was right in the Mets' faces. Maybe they could have signed him last year for a value, and they didn't have to bring back Carrasco on the 14 or $15 million that he brought, uh, they brought him back on. Who And it makes me wonder if they had, re- they had let Carrasco go, brought back Bassett, and re-signed Seth Lugo to be in the rotation – where would they have been early in the year when they had issues? But I would seriously consider bringing Seth Lugo back as a starting pitcher. You know, if you remember, Seth Lugo and Robert Gazelman were the reasons why the Mets made the postseason in 2016. Lugo was 5-2 and two with a 2.67 ERA. You know, Matt Harvey went down. DeGrom went down. You, you know, Mats was, was hurt at times in 16. It was basically Noah Syndergaard, Gazelman, Cologne, and Lugo. And Lugo, uh, you know, maybe overperformed a little bit based on his peripherals, but he is a good pitcher. And, you know, he's basically pitching the same way he pitched out of the bullpen. But as a starter, you know, you know, you need a dominant arm out of the bullpen. You want guys that miss bats. And, and, and Lugo did that for a while in 18 and 19, but he kind of settled into who he is after that. And, you know, he's got the partially torn UCL, so I don't know how that plays into it or that's impacting him. And they tried to start him a little bit 
in the pandemic season, but that was kind of wonky. They he started out as the setup guy, then they moved him into rotation. He just in, in the pandemic, and it, it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Guy went eight and seven, basically a five hundred pitcher, three point five seven ERA for San Diego. I think he's a guy who could give you. 25, 26 starts, and that is really good. Look, 115 ERA plus. Didn't see McGill do that. Didn't see McGill do that. Uh, you know, didn't see, you know, Peterson started to do some of it later in the year, but not seeing Peterson do that. You know, Peterson and McGill need to start doing those things consistently before they, you know, before I say they're better than Seth Lugo. You know, if if, if Steamer wants to project, and, and, and let me go and get that real quick. Because that like blew my mind. So Steamer, this is these projection systems. Uh, you know, they're projecting next year's top 25 starting pitchers in ERA. And they had like Peterson at 22 and a war of two. Nine strike. I mean, they like him because he strikes out a lot of guys. A 10 and 8 record. Look, I'll take it. I'll take it at this point. I mean, I'm looking at Steamer and they have him with a, a lower ERA than Kodai Singh. I, I just... I don't know. I gotta tell you, I don't know. But look, I disagree with. Oh no, Kodai Singh. Yes, yeah, slightly better than Kodai Singh. They have Kodai Singh at twenty-five. So Kodai Singh is in there. So out of the top twenty-five starters in all of baseball, they have Kodai Singh and Peterson in there. The Mets have two of them. That's not bad. The Yankees had Jarrett Cole, and they have Carlos Rodon. Uh, the Phillies have Wheeler, and well, you know, depending if Nola comes back, the Braves have Strider and Max Fried. Uh, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty solid. So, um, I look at that cause then I say, you know, what are some of the other guys here that fall into, you know, don't have a qualifying offer and, you know, you have to go to the Japanese guys. There's other Japanese players. Imanga, I think is his name. I'm going to find that, that guy's name here at some point. Um, you know, but we don't know the lefty from, from Japan. We don't know much about him. You know, you have uh, Ryu, who, you know, you, you could go the scrap heap rate or a guy that has had injuries that may cost you less or a Kenta Maeda or guys like that. Lucas Giolito, an innings guy, you know, maybe a Jack Flaherty, you know, Shota Ima, uh, uh, Imanaga, Imanaga, uh, you know, but you want, I think, a guy like Lugo, probably cost you 10, 12 million a year, probably on a three-year deal, three years, 36 million, and he's 33. He, he knows New York, you know him, and he could give you solid outings. Because ultimately, you want to have solid up and down the rotation. You probably are going to build this team. Realistically, are you going to build this team in the short term? Is while you're waiting for the kids, you have all these arms. You don't know how Hamill and Peterson and um, and Tidwell and Basil and Jarvis and Tyler Stewart, you know, Christian, you don't have no idea how these guys are going to pan out. And if any of them, are going to be top of the rotation. But they're there and they're developing. And guys like David Peterson and McGill and Buto and Lucchese, they're they're like that depth. They're like four, five, six, seven. And Singh and Quintana are, you know, two and a half, three, let's say. Maybe Singh is a two. So if you get Yamamoto, maybe he slides in as a one or a two or something like that. And Lugo kind of floats into that four. But you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. And I think that's what the Mets need. Because then you have the elite closer. And then you work on building the bullpen, which we'll talk about in a in another episode. you got to change it up here. You've got to go and get consistency. You can't go out and take a risk on a big contract with a Blake Snell, not knowing how he's going to perform and have all that sunk cost later. I understand it's Cohen's money. I don't think Nola 
is much better than what you have in Senga and Quintana. He's be- you know, is he better than Lugo? Yes. Last year he wasn't. Last year he wasn't. I mean, I'll give you Nola last year. Let me go find him here. I just had him. Um, you know, Nola last year. Aaron Nola. I mean, Aaron Nola last year was 12-9, 4. 4.46 ERA. 96 ERA plus. And then he had more innings than Lugo. Now, remember, Lugo was a reliever, so maybe there was some... You got to be careful here. I don't think Lugo could do 200 innings, but you, could you get 165, 170 innings at him? I think you could push a couple more starts out of him, go deeper into some games. You know, he's built up now. But to me, the apple of my eye would be Montgomery. I would be in an Yamamoto. I would look at guys like Lugo. I would look at a Kenta Maeda. I would look at a Ryu maybe more as the you know, lottery ticket. But you know, the one thing that really is going to determine... The 2020 formats, which is scary. Because this is, you can't just go out and buy seven or eight pitchers. Is how is the depth going to play? Can Buto continue with what we saw? You know, Buto last year pitched a 3.64 ERA. Uh, his walk rate was high. He had 117 ERA plus. Um, his walk rate was high, but he showed a lot of promise later in the year. Lucchese was really solid. Or really solid. I think Lucchese's the guy. You know, maybe he only goes five innings. Maybe he turns into somewhat of a Trevor Williams. But he keeps you in ball games. You know, 2.89 ERA. You know, 147 ERA plus. Like, you look at Peterson. You look at McGill. McGill's the one that drives me bananas because I'm not as sold on him, to tell you the truth. I mean, he pitched better later in the year, you know. But the walks are so high. The strikeout rate has dropped. Um... You know, I'm not so sure I'm 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 into McGill, but those guys are going to determine a lot of it because you could go out, you could sign a Lugo, you could sign a Jordan Montgomery, you could bring in Yamamoto, and you got you know your Singer and your your Quintana, but you're still going to need those other guys, and, and undoubtedly someone's going to get some time on the injured list, and there's going to be rainouts that we force double headers or you know guys that are six starters and. You know, even DL, you know, guys could, even if it's not serious, guys might need two weeks on the injured list. Look at what happened to Scherzer. Look what happened to Verlander. And it really did the Mets in. So I think what you're going to see this offseason is the Mets go for players that have been player options declined or from Japan but have no no, uh, qualifying offer attached to them. And I think that's where they're going to go. I really do. And I really think Jordan Montgomery is the one name. If I had to say the two guys I'd really like them to hone in on is Yamamoto and Montgomery. And then I'd like them to go to the next tier and see out of Lugo, Maeda, guys like that. Maybe bring one of those guys in. And then you have your young starters. You have your depth guys, and the Peterson and Lucchese, et cetera. You have your young starters. Eventually, maybe a Vazel or even a you know a Stewart or one of these guys. Maybe they start to push themselves into the mix. And you focus on building up your bullpen. So it's not going to be about getting the big fish. The last couple off seasons is about Scherzer and Verlander. And then obviously last off season is about re-signing some of their guys like Nimmo and what have you. But it's about getting good bullpen arms, maybe getting some value pieces. You already saw them pick up a kid from Seattle that's going to be out half the year, you know, bullpen arm. Uh, I think it was McPhee is his name, McPhee, McPhee, McPhee. You know, 
I should know this stuff. You guys are going to kill me here because you're like, Mike, you come on the air, you should have this prepped. But you're right about that. But like some of these names, I mean, I'm just like, you know, what is the deal here? Hold on, I have him here. Here, yeah, Murphy, Murphy, Penn Murphy. You know, you're going to see them pick up some guys like that. You know, you also got to remember there's 40 roster uh, ramifications. You can only sign so many guys because you're going to have to protect guys from the Rule 5 draft. You know, you, you have no outfielders. Again, every offseason, you look at this 40-man roster, there's no freaking outfielders on the 40-man roster. They're going to have to go get some outfielders or bring up some outfielders. I mean, they got Gilbert and Acuna and stuff like that. But I really think the focus of the spending is going to be on the pitching, the bullpen and the starters, and that's going to take a lot. You know, you need a couple of bullpen arms. You need, you need, uh, you know, you need more starters. And then you got to figure out that 40-man roster at that point. You know, I think they go more component. I think it's going to be more, maybe component driven is a bad word because I don't think Yamamoto's a component guy. Neither do I think Montgomery. But I think as you look at the bullpen and, and it's more of the around the roster, you still have a good core here. You still have some good bones on this team. It's not, it's a bad roster now and the end of the year is a bad roster because they ripped it apart with some key players coming off. So we'll see. So that's where we're at. So we kind of kicked off the offseason here. We're sitting here holding our breath. You know, as I'm on the air with you, here it is. It's late Sunday night. You know, here I have to go on X. See, I'm finally getting it. I'm saying it's X. I'm finally getting it. Um, and um, I'm trying to uh, uh, trying to see what is going on on the news. See, as I'm talking here, I'm reading X here. So I'm going to, like, my lists here. Uh, but it looks down... Uh, Looks like even now, I mean, Ken Rosenthal, the A's granted permission for Mark Kotze to interview for the Mets managerial vacancy, but Kotze no longer is part of the process. So Kotze's out. So it looks like it's down to Council and Mendoza. And they were also the same guys in the mix for the Indians. Oh, the Indians. The Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians. Oh, I hate that. Um, And Lindor lost out on the gold glove. I don't even want to get into that, but, you know, we'll see about that. So anyway, so... We're waiting for the dominoes to drop. GM meetings this week. I think it's going to be Carlos Mendoza or Council, so we'll probably have an emergency podcast. I will, as I promised, when the news comes out, at some point I'm going to have a probably a, a audio or video on the newsletter for those who are um, you know, subscribers to kind of give them something. So we'll give them a little bit of something there, you know, a reaction. So the way that'll work is you get my initial reaction and then I take a step back and those who are part of this podcast get a more, you know, the podcast always is something that we got to keep sacrosanct. We'll get the more, okay, we listened, we digested, here we go. It's always good to see initial reactions because we all have that and then maybe we get more measured and more balanced as the time goes on. It's not going to be a hot take. It'll be something that's part of it. So anyway, want to thank everybody for tuning in to this first off-season edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Is this considered hot stove? A little bit. A little chill on the pumpkin this week, right? We had our first freeze. Leaves are finally falling. It's really now feels like fall. So is this considered hot stove? I think it is. So anyway, our first hot stove edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Check me out on X at Mike Silva Media. You can get me on Instagram, Talking No G. Send me a note at Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. And of course, I'm on Instagram, Talking Mets No G, and you can get me and at my newsletter, substack.com slash at Talking Mets No G. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back 
with another Talking Mets podcast next week. I have a feeling we'll be back sooner. Craig Council is in the air. Carlos Mendoza, somebody. Till then, take care, everybody. For the pod.